The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Heartbreak, pain, everything that we feel, we'll talk about it here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I am your host, Jay. We've got a few special guests to join us. Thanks for hitting us up on the YouTube channel and listening wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're here. Please wipe your feet, like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Just give us five anyway and uh, gift it. So we're going to dive into a lot of great topics today. And we've got some special guests. I'm going to bring them in in just a moment, but we'll start on recapping this Kansas loss. Now that we've slept on it, thought about it, we're going to actually process what happened. We'll talk about what's next for the Sooners as Bedlam has been set for 2.30 on Saturday. And then we'll go into a little bit of recruiting, maybe, you know, we'll see what that kind of talks about. But let me bring in the guests for today. The usual, we got Coop and we've got Brian. Brian Clinton joining the group again. What's going on, gentlemen? What's up, guys? Happy, uh, happy um, uh, post-loss day, I guess you could say, right? It's not really happy, but this is our first time actually congregating after a loss this season. Feels weird, right? It does. Yeah, it's been a little while. Got a little too uh, comfortable with it last year, but now, now it feels a little weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've told a few people that I'm like, you know, I'm so accustomed to making the morning after videos that I do every Sunday morning and be able to talk about, you know, things we need to improve on, things we get better on, blah, blah, blah this year. Because last year I did it seven times talking about us losing. And it just, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. But the good thing is, as the people are coming in, we know that uh, the Oklahoma breakdown, you know, I heard that Teddy and Gabe lost their minds for everybody. And I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to actually listen to it uh, today, tonight after this, once I get uh, some packing done. Had to get some stuff together before I head out of town. But, uh, Brian, let the people know where they can find you and where they can see all your great content. And then we're going to jump right into it. You can find us over at OUinsider.com. Uh, we got a YouTube channel as well. I'm doing some uh, some new stuff we call Phil Vision with Coach Clinton. I do some film breakdown uh, a couple times a week. Uh, we got some other things on board that's going to be coming up here in the next uh, week or so. So be looking out over there. And then obviously I'm over at Heartland College Sports as well. Help run that site and uh, known Pete for, for quite some time. And, and they, we do really, really good stuff over there for the Big 12. So uh, appreciate you guys having me on as well. This is This is great. Oh, yeah. Always, always a pleasure of having you. Coop, how you feeling today now that you've got a chance to get some sleep, get terrorized by children, and enjoy 30-degree weather with rain? Yeah. Um, I uh, got to go on with PG this morning, and um, and I, I think that I tried to have a game plan, a structure of my <laughs> ranting. And then, like, you know, Chris Farley and Dumb and Dumber, he's like, this is my sale. He's <laughs> You know, that's pretty much what happened. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I felt, uh, and I think I said it just like comfortably fine yesterday. It just didn't knock me off. And I think it's maybe because we saw so many close calls. You, you know, you start thinking like, yeah, I don't, don't think we're gonna be able to do this every week because, uh, magic, magic shouldn't be required to, uh, to cover up. Uh, a lot of mayhem you caused yourself. Yeah, the the yeah yeah it yeah you, you can't you can't 
play around. You can't use up all of your Sooner magic in week nine of a season, right? Like, we, there's two weeks in a row we've been pulling out the dust. Actually, I say at least four weeks out of this season, four games this season, we have jumped in the bag of Sooner magic and it started throwing it all over the place to make something happen. And now we're going to start running out of it. And we're going to start needing it because we're going to dive into some future games too because I'm going to be honest. I saw our schedule. Those teams are not as bad as we thought they were going to be. Like, everybody said Oklahoma had a clear path to the conference championship. And for some reason, Oklahoma State's won four straight games. West Virginia looks like they could fight for playing in the conference championship. And even though BYU just got thrashed by Texas, they may be a pain for us because we're going to be there in cold weather and altitude. I told y'all this is the game that scared me on the schedule the most. Then Kansas had to have bad weather too. So let's jump into this game first. All right. Uh, Coach Clinton, you know we got to ask you on this because you were there. You enjoyed the festivities of the location. Talk to us about this game. Give us your, your top three things that just you just want to just either want to scream about or say, you know, we got to be better on. But what, what, what got your attention? Well, the first thing that got my attention is uh, being cold is one thing and, and being wet is another thing, but having those together, not a thing. I don't, I don't want to do that again. Uh, it was it wasn't, a, it wasn't necessarily a great day for football. I guess every day is a great day for football regardless, but, um, you know, as far as the game goes, uh, man, there's, there was a lot of things to, to pick apart. I, I think the the one the one thing that that stuck with me or resonated last night the most was there was there was one play in particular I think that kind of gets lost in the fold that that really cost Oklahoma um, and, and it's it's on fourth down third quarter uh, and you you've already taken a delayed game you're set up to punt and you don't have the right personnel out there and the clock starts to run out. And instead of taking another delay of game, you call a timeout. Oh God! Which, I mean, that hurts. You don't even think about it in that. But but think about the last drive. It would have been so nice to have another timeout to be able to use that slow. I mean, instead of throwing into the end zone from the twenty-three yard line or twenty-six yard line with with three seconds left, maybe you have fourteen or fifteen seconds to work. In the end, further into the red zone. So yeah, that that hurt really bad. Um, another thing, I saw somebody over here in the comments ask why we got rid of the Sexton and Green combo after halftime. Um, maybe that in particular. I, I love what we saw from Jacob Sexton. He he is what you would call a road grader whenever it comes mm-hmm. to uh, running the football. He's going to be really really good. Yeah. That combo over the next several years. Cause you got to remember this guy is, this is a uh, red shirt freshman and a true freshman that are working together like that. So those yeah. boys, those boys are going to be good moving forward. Uh, you got to re- you got away from, from Tawi Walker, particularly at the beginning of the second half. Um, the Jalil Farouk experiment as D- Debo Samuel has, has got to stop. I, I, I love mm-hmm. what I love what Jalil Farouk does when he has the ball in his hands, but if if you're not confident in the guys that you're rolling out there at uh, at running back, you've got a deep stable. There's kids. There 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 is no reason for to redshirt a running back anymore. If he's not getting the carries he wants, he's going to leave and go somewhere else. That's going to give them to him, or he's going to and he's most likely not going to stay for four years 
at the it's before he goes to the NFL. So use those other kids. There's there, Dalen Smothers can help you. Caleb Hicks can help you out if if it just, you've got to change it up. You're running insert zone, inside zone. It's it, it, these are things that those kids could take the football and and give you something. What happened? What happened last year? Whenever you threw a freshman in uh, into the bowl game, what did what happened? I, I mean, he went off. So not one, but two hundred yard rushers. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like you know, we something has to change there. And I also just to further my point a little bit here, the drive after Ethan Downs interception. Why are we putting Javante Barnes in the football game after he hasn't played for an entire month? Why are we why are we putting Javante Barnes in that position? That's not fair to him. That's not fair to that offense. And, you know, running a draw play on third and twelve, and then you say after the game that you're 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 really trying hard to get a first down there, it just didn't make sense. I th- I think I think the offensive staff kind of lost themselves a little bit. I think we I think we saw them freeze in the moment. And it, let's just call it what it is. And so that part was hard. And, and then the last thing, missed tackles, man. You can't, you can't miss tackles like that. And I know it's cold. I know it's wet. It wasn't, it, it wasn't fun, a fun environment to play in. But you have to be more physical than that. And, and, and they just, there was too many arm tackles. The defensive line got their butt whooped all day. It, just, it, was, just, it was just an all, it was all around. It, it was just rough. It was rough. Yeah, there was so much pain in that game as I rewatched it, and I'm going to rewatch it again because I need to remind myself all the stuff that we don't need to do going forward to win games just so I can make sure I'm, I'm fair in my assessment as we start talking about the rest of these games, right? Hmm. And you, you, you hit on one that I wanted to jump on, and Coop, I'm about to pass it over to you to get your initial thoughts on everything, but this I wanted to make this point. Why in the hell didn't we, with 55 seconds left and three touchdowns, did we not go down there and score? That was the one thing that baffled me throughout this one. If there was the one thing I wanted to vent, complain, and get mad about, you got 55 seconds left in the second in the, in the first half. The one thing that I know that we're really good at is a freaking one-minute drill. We've done it masterfully with one minute yep. on the clock and no timeouts. Because the thing is, is that the defense, regardless of what we do in the, in the fourth quarter, will always play prevent defense. They don't want to get beat over the top for a touchdown and the score, so they'll give you as many underneath as you want so you can just drive yourself down to the field, drive to the field, drive the field, drive the field, and then boom, take a shot at the end zone. Second quarter, they're playing regular defense. They don't know what to expect. I mean, they know a one-minute, a two-minute drill is coming, but they're still not – they're going to just play like they normally would. And so why didn't we take advantage of that? That killed me. And then, like you mentioned, Ethan Downs gets the interception with two minutes and some change, about 15 seconds left, and we could have sealed the game. Why are we running the ball with Javante Barnes? Why are we running the ball with Gavin Salchuk? I know Ty Lee was hurt before the start of the fourth quarter, so we lost that capacity. Why aren't we throwing quick passes to, to Drake Stoops? Why aren't we throwing a quick pass to Jalifer? Why aren't we throwing the ball in the second half, period? So many things to jump into. Coop, talk to me, man. Give me your initial thoughts. I know you got a lot off your chest earlier. So did I. Now that you really got to focus and chill and eat some good homemade bread and soup, how do you feel now? It's that, you know, this team is good. And this team has its flaws. But I think the culture aspect on it, the as you heard on the broadcast, it talked about scar tissue. I think all that stuff... This team, 
is not good enough to go up against a good team. Not a great team. Kansas is not a great team. Um, they could lose out, and it wouldn't surprise me. They could win out, and it wouldn't surprise me. But Kansas is a good team. So you can't go and beat a team like that when your coaching staff is not – I mean, it's just mistake after mistake. Um, you know, from everything from the offensive play calling, uh, personnel during the play calling, which I'll touch on in a second um, – you have uh, Bill Beatonball walking out on the sideline, getting a 15-yard penalty. Um, it's you just got all these things. Um, I, I said, come out, run your offense. Don't be cute. Just come out, run your offense. Don't be cute. Don't overthink it. When we came against UCF, it was like Jeff Levy just decided, hey, you know what we're gonna do. We're going to just throw a bunch of new stuff. We got a whole new setup of plays because I've seen that these plays have caused them issues. So we're going to run those plays. We're, we're not, that ain't, that ain't happening because our offensive line and our running backs have very, 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 very little experience together, right? There's a new offensive line in front of one of, you know, five running backs that we've used this year. Um, Almost, I mean, every single game, it's a new setup uh, for, for one or the other. So you, you, can't, you can't go through injuries. You can't go through, the, you know, I'm not saying that the officials um, are the reason why we lost the game, but <laughs> you shouldn't have to, rel- I mean, you got to be able to be better than a few play calls going sideways. And it beating you. Like, if you can't play yeah. enough, well enough for a couple play, But we, we can't do injuries, mistakes, penalties, turnovers, um, insane stupidity. Here's my thing. Jalil Farouk and Gavin Freeman come into the backfield. Second quarter, I think, is when he started running that junk. So they come in the backfield. Farouk ends up with a fumble. Why is Javante Barnes not in at that point? I'm not even talking Tawi Walker or because if it's an apparent situation to where Sawchuck and Walker, something happened and they didn't earn it, why is Javante Barnes not in there? Because apparently he's good enough to be in on fourth down with five seconds left in the game. So you're telling me this is we're not, we're not going to bring him out and give him a touch the entire game because he doesn't qualify for a touch but with 10 seconds left. And as Brian said, dude hasn't, dude hasn't seen a snap in a month. And then I'll yeah, say and- this last one. <laughs> Anybody who has brought a Jeff Levy is, hmm, deserves to be fired anything prior to this week. I have said he has things he needs to get better at, but I, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm there. And here's why. Ooh, name somebody on the name somebody on the offensive line that it shows capability of being really really good and then absolutely terrible at the same time. Savion Bird. You see Savion Bird absolutely maul somebody, be unnoticeable for stretches of play. Savion Bird 
throws one or two plays together back and forth, and he gets his ass yanked from the game. And people talk, we, we coaches, everybody, media talks about Savion and says, you got to be better, otherwise you're going to lose your spot. Why the hell are we not ready to start saying the same thing about Jeff Levy? Is he has the capability of being great, but you cannot tell me what he did did against SMU. I'm not even going to go any last year. Hashtag anything after the second, you know, minute into the second quarter of Bedlam. So SMU, last week with UCF, that okey-doke crap that he pulls out there. And then this. And I will say this. So there's Jeff Levy. But you still have to throw in DeMarco because I don't know what the hell is going on with the running back rotation, but it's ridiculous. And the lead man of the damn team is Brent Venables. So is it a culture thing in the coaching rooms to where none of the coaches can have conversations with each other and say, hey, DeMarco, what's going on at running back? If we can't get it settled out, I'm going to run Farouk out there and Gavin Freeman, which I'm done with. Let's uh, put Gavin Freeman on the shelf till spring. Uh, of you know spring of next year because it the the jet sweeps with Gavin Freeman just they're not they're not doing anything. So I, I, so, I mean I, I I'm hearing you on that and I I know everybody's with with the Demarco piece. Of course, Demarco's a really good recruiter. He's brought in some good backs. The one thing I will say, if I was to question what Demarco's doing, is I'm, my question is why isn't Tyree Walker the starting running back in the beginning of the game? He's been the most effective back this season. We know Salchuk and Barnes are coming off injury, and they look like it. They look hesitant in their run. But on the first drive, Gavin Salchuk got like eight yards on his first carry, and then we stopped running the ball with him. Then the second drive, we go to Jaleel Farouk to try to switch it up. Look, I'm here for trick plays. I'm here for trickery on occasion. But when you see something working, keep doing what's effective. Keep doing it. If you see that Sexton and Green, Caden Green should have never came out the game until he needed to get a quick break and then bring him right back in. He was productive in this game. There were so many players that were so productive that we just kind of was like, uh, let me jump me switch it up. Experimenting against Big 12 teams is a very bad idea right now. And the reason it's a very bad idea is because every single team is throwing the kitchen sink at us. They know this is the last time they're going to see us for a while. And don't ex- don't don't get be surprised if uh, Oklahoma State's going to be out there throwing every trick play they possibly got at us because Kansas does a lot of motion. And I appreciate the fact that we preached on the defensive side to watch where your eyes are. Eye discipline was critical for this game because – Literally the entire game, all you saw was Kansas motioning, switching, switching uh, tight ends here, move this player there, wide receivers this side. They kept doing that because they were trying to get people to not have eye discipline. We got out that lightning delay, and I think this thing that bothers me, and Brian, I got to ask you on this one. We're going to put the reporter Brian up here before <laughs> we get back to Coach Brian, Coach, Coach Clinton in a minute. But I got to understand this. We come back from that lightning delay and go on a 21-0 run. Like, we looked defense, shut everything down. Offense was firing on all cylinders. Talk to me. Anything that you know that went down during that break that makes you think, okay, did they, did they light a fire under their butts? Because I know our ethos as an organization is to start as slow as possible every game and just to, just to raise the blood pressure in the arena – so that they can suck the energy out of everybody and start playing better. Is did, did they do anything different 
coming out of that? Because it felt like we adjusted then, but we didn't adjust in the second half. So I would say that that coming out of it, it it seemed like obviously they just hand the ball off to Tawi and let him work. Um, but <laughs> what an adjustment. Okay. Well, so the thing is, I think what it was is you saw a little bit of momentum for the first time with on Oklahoma side when that uh, right after that touchdown, uh, Kansas muffs the the kickoff and, and yes. Oklahoma picks it right up, and so. Um, you know, I, I think that that kind of swung things in their favor, and obviously they were able to, to um, you know, capitalize on that. As far as as in the locker room, they keep it pretty they keep it pretty closed lipped around there. I I, I mean, I, I I didn't see anything uh, I didn't see anything other than uh, guys just excited to be out of the rain delay. I mean, they had an hour, so they weren't in there just sitting being quiet. I, I'm certain of that. I just I would say. It really seemed like when they when they wanted to be running the football, they had Jacob Sexton in at tackle. Uh, when they were in more passing situations, you had the more experienced guy Walter Rouse in there. My 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 thing is, you look at the splits. They ran the ball fifty five times. They threw the ball nineteen times. It, it's too one dimensional. I mean, you're, you, nobody's going to believe you're you're nobody's going to believe. This, this play action stuff, nobody's going to believe the... Uh, it got to the point where you could tell Dylan Gabriel he's carrying out his, his pass fakes for an RPO. He wasn't in it. I mean, he at some point, you, you can tell these guys are frustrated. So, uh, I just to build on what Coop said, you can't be as... You cannot be that conservative. They were just... The, the play calling was beyond conservative, and that builds into what you were saying right before half. You have 55 seconds on the clock. How many times have we heard this coaching staff talk about the middle eight? Yep. Four minutes going in and the four minutes coming out. It's like they got away from their identity. And let me ask you, let me ask you guys this. I'm curious what I'm curious what you want to what you guys have to say on this. Eight games into the year. First of all, can you tell me what the offense's identity is? And two, hmm. uh, what is what can you look at yesterday and the way that the calls the way that calls were being made yesterday what can you look at and take away from that other than you ran for 269 yards if i'd have told you 269 yards on the ground is what oklahoma was going to give you you win the ball game right like coming into that yep. is that is that pretty clear and dry for everybody here i mean it's so yeah. What's the identity? Yeah, what is the identity, Dylan Gabriel? Or I mean, what is it? I, I think I know. I think I, I think I. Well, for me, I'll give you my quick thought on the the identity. Is that we're going to be as lukewarm as possible with Dylan Gabriel this year? That's our identity, because he goes out there, he runs for three touchdowns, he trucks a dude at Iowa State, he takes it upon himself to win the game against Texas, and he focuses and gets a fifty-five something yard run. Do plays his heart out Mm. every game so we just take the ball out of his hands you know what it feels like i'm gonna be honest somebody mentioned it in here it feels a little bit like lincoln riley and it feels really like the georgia game georgia rose bowl we are wearing they they them out wearing them out yeah and instead of having the heisman trophy winner keep the ball in his hands and do magic we slow things down because we want to run as much clock as possible. I promise you, you put the ball in Dylan Gabriel's hands and let him throw it more than 19 times. Bean threw it 32. 
Second half, it wasn't as rainy. You no. could tell. Yeah. It may have been a little wet because that, like a turf or whatever, it's, it's gross. And that's why we got all these ankle injuries. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But we could have been throwing the ball because Nick Anderson had moments where he was breaking off because the safeties were coming up. They recognized we were starting to run. And the safety, they were, most of the game, I think it was uh, Mark Clayton was pointing out, they're running cover zero a lot. Dog, just throw it. They'll run underneath it. If you overthrow Brennan Thompson, I'm happy. <laughs> the I'm damn happy. pass. Jay, the, the pass passes. to Brennan Thompson was like 30 yards under underthrown. Like it looked like a punt. Like But, but you so, know what's yeah, funny I mean, about I, that? You know what's funny about that though? We do really good on those passes. I don't understand we why really we don't do. do that more often. We do very good on those passes. It's like the wide receivers get the corner's attention enough. So when Dylan underthrows it, they can stop, get around him, make the catch, and possibly do another move. It works. Why don't we do that more? But so if to answer your question, Brian, the reporter, it's really because of I, I think our identity is just to be as lukewarm as possible with the guy that could potentially be in New York for the Heisman Trophy. Feels like the last five years. Coop, what do you think the identity is? I think the identity <laughs> is um Jeff Levy on a soul search. That's what it is. Is whatever the game is, whatever thought process and he's going into. I mean, you if, if you, you got to take Tulsa out because they kept giving us the ball in the uh, you know, in our own red zone. Like that doesn't yeah. count. I mean, you just line up and go, but like every other game it's like Jeff Levy comes out. Now Texas, same situation. Defense puts us right there. Um, but then again, you know, they block a punt because we can't move the ball outside of the, uh, the, out of our own shadow of our own end zone. But it is this walkabout for Jeff Levy to go look and see and try to think about these, all these exotic offensive schemes and plays. And, 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 and then he's like, oh shit, it's about to go sideways. Let me just do what I know works. And then he calls plays and then you're like, all right. And then I just think it started earlier this year. I mean, this week because it like it waxed and then it waned, and then all of a sudden he was like, "Hey, I, let me forget what I'm doing," because the most chicken shit thing I think I've heard in a very, very, very long time is, "Well, we wanted just to run some clock, and our defense, uh, we were fine with our our defense, may, uh, you know, holding them to a long field." So yeah. Jeff Levy. When when it's in, when it's your time to shine, final four minutes of the game. Did you guys know that if you look up ESPN on their box score, they've got the like the win predictor with two minutes and twenty nine seconds left in the ball game. Ethan Downs intercepts a pass. It gives us OU an eighty eight point nine percent chance to win at that moment in time. First and first down inside field goal range. And we damn near just took a knee. I mean, what in the absolute hell? Because again, Stoops didn't get anything there. Nothing at all. And I'm just going to say that that bomb to Brennan Thompson in, you know, in our final drive, that right there, that made it look more closer than it really was. Because we, that, I mean, they bailed us out by allowing that pass to happen. Bailed us out. It happens all the time, though. That's the crazy part. I just don't get 
I guess that's that's where the 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 thing that just throws me off with this is why we just don't do that more. Just keep doing it. No, they're not going to figure it out. Our receivers are so fast. They think we're going to oh, because the most one complaint about Dylan Gabriel is he overthrows everybody and then he also underthrows everybody. So I don't know which one he actually does right or wrong. So if we just keep doing it, eventually it's going to balance itself out. We we have it. We have the capability. So all right, now I need so let, one more time. For reporter Brian, before we go to Coach Clinton, because I need you to break down some stuff for me on this team for me too. But let's talk injuries. It looked nasty for mm. us. We lost Stutzman in the first half, and he could he tried. I saw you tried, tried in the second half, and ooh God, mm-hmm. you saw the step, and it was just like nope. He limping, so I'm assuming that's a high. It's some sort of an ankle sprain. He came out hurt. Robert Spears Jennings got hurt after the play where he what caused the fumble. Yeah, <laughs> he mm-hmm. comes right back out the game hurt because uh, I think he had when I looked at PFF, he had one snap. I could have sworn he had more snaps than that, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, PFF also said they only had nine missed tackles on the day, too. And I can tell you for damn sure that wasn't right. So. <laughs> <laughs> A lot more than that. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, they must gave us some grace on some yeah. of those missed tackles. I don't know why they did that. that was uh, that's kind of like an earned run average. It was nine missed tackles per play. Yeah, there so you go. Yeah, yeah really there you go. go. There you go. Because the entire first half, all we did was missed tackles. But we'll talk about that on with coach in a second. But reporter Brian, I got to ask you, what does it look like injury wise? What does the injury situation look like for us? Who all left and and what? Because I know Gentry didn't play, and I'm assuming this is an assumption by me. They didn't play him because of the weather and potentially the type of field we were playing on because of that knee he tweaked in practice. It makes sense to save mm-hmm. him because you need him right. long-term. What are we yeah. looking like? Yeah, um, I think that's a safe assumption on Gentry's part. Um, it, it it really hurts not to have him in there, obviously. Kenai Walker's just not ready to be the guy opposite of him right now. Um, but as far as injuries, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Um Obviously, we won't know a whole lot until uh, we hear from from Brent on Tuesday. He typically is pretty open about what's going on, um, you know, just at least yes or no. But obviously, Danny was out uh, with an ankle, it looked like. Uh, you had Walter Rouse kind of a little bit with his shoulder, a little bit of shoulder, but not, not anything too serious there. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. With as cold and wet as it was, anything soft tissue damage is going to be even worse. It's going to feel worse than it I would, like um, just because things tighten up. That's just that, that's what your body does. That's how your body reacts to it. Your muscles tighten up. Things hurt a little bit worse, and so um, you know, I think there's a really good opportunity that you start seeing some guys uh, maybe maybe come out of what looked like things being a little bit worse than they were. Um, later as the week goes on. So, um, I will say, uh, Peyton Bowen only having a couple of snaps. He only had two snaps this game, five uh, snaps last game. Um, I, I think he should play a little bit bigger role in Bedlam. Um, you know, just, just having some time off from that, uh, he, that should, that should help this defense a lot, but I don't think anything, it didn't look like anything was season ending. I'll put it that way. It didn't look like anybody was no. was gonna just absolutely miss the rest of the of the year. So, um, you know that that is good news. Take it for what it is. Um, just cold weather, man. That's hard. It's hard on that soft tissue. It really is, especially when you tweak something like that. So, uh, and Tawi, I, I think Tawi's gonna be okay. I think Tawi's okay. gonna be okay too. So, um, nothing too serious. 
Yeah, you're just beat up, bruised, and got the, got the ego hurt a little bit too. So, yeah, at this point, yeah, it, that would make me nervous when I saw the injury to Tyweed. I didn't see him in the fourth. I saw him come in one play, and then I saw I think they showed him limping off or something. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm like, oh shoot, don't mm-hmm. please don't. The one running back that's actually doing some stuff <laughs> in a comfortable manner. He's got now. He can't put pressure on his ankle to push through. But like you said, soft tissue injuries make sense. That that's probably something that um, that yeah, lo- yeah. We're, we're good on that. So I'm glad that I'm hearing that out of your mouth, uh, Brian. We appreciate that. Okay, let's go into some – let's go back into coaching here. Let's go Let's go back into some looking at plays. Let's break down some stuff and understand what the hell's going on. Coop, I'm going to ask you this one, though. All right. Mike mentioned this in the comments, and I hate to do it because he's my favorite, while at the same time I'm not naive enough to not point out there's a problem. Canick looked terrible. This was his worst graded game on PFF. And overall, he just looked lost. And I, what made me feel the most bad about it is he was at home with his people playing in front of a home crowd in the state of Kansas. And it appears that he has a tendency to be really good, then really bad, then really good, then really bad. What, what is it? What is, is it the inexperience that's making Canick look just just struggle right now. What 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 do you what do you see, Coop? New pass to you, Brian. No, I I think that uh I mean this is it's been hidden. Uh there's been I mean his play has been hidden quite quite a bit. Um because Danny has been that good and everybody else has gang tackled and it's been that good. So if Kinnick is out of position, but then when he actually is in position and he makes great tackles it's all you think is like, oh, right on. You know, he did his job. But when he's out of position and then he's missing tackles, and you're like, what would you say that you've been doing out there, Mr. Kanick? Because that is that is it. When Danny went out, he just looked atrocious. And I think that what we have always seen was just magnified that, that much more because the whole team was missing tackles. And when Danny went out... I mean, you, you, listen, if we roll out Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis to start because Danny physically can't do it, I'm, you're not going to hear arguments from me. Um, I think those are those are studs. If Danny's hurt, uh, you know, maybe we toss out those other two and see how they can do because if Kanick's going to look like that by himself, then he's a liability. I totally agree, Brian. So, what's your, what's your thoughts on Canick's play? And then, of course, even let's talk even talk about Kobe and Kip because when I saw Kip go out there, well, I saw Kobe go out there first. It's like, oh wait, they're bringing Kobe McKenzie, and he the breakup pass. As soon as he got there, he starts mm-hmm. doing some stuff. And then Kip, even though I hate how small he is, he plays a lot bigger than what he truly. Oh is. yeah. Thoughts on Canick and and those two coming in. So. I'll say this, and, and I gotta give I gotta give Brandon Drum a little bit of credit because he's the first guy to to make the comparison like this for me. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna take it a step further. Um, Brandon said yesterday to me after the game that Jaron Kanick looks like 2022 Danny Stutzman. Yep, and I've heard that before too. Danny Stutzman, I'm looking at it right now. Danny Stutzman led Oklahoma in missed tackles last season. Yeah. So he had 22 missed tackles, according to PFF. Now, again, I, you know, take that with, with a grain of salt. There's probably a little bit of 
I don't know how, how, you know, I don't know how really accurate that stuff is. But again, Danny Stutzman last year flashed and then it was like, oh my gosh, what's he doing? You know, so uh, we see a lot of that from Canick right now. He's a, he's a true sophomore. He's a true sophomore. And a lot of this defense is, is young. Think of the playmakers. Think about the playmakers. If, if I start listing off playmakers, obviously Danny Stutzman's at the top of the list. He's a junior. Desan McCullough is a true sophomore. Peyton Bowen is a true freshman. Gentry Williams, is he a true sophomore or a redshirt freshman? He's a redshirt freshman. Either way. Um, you just, PJ Atabari, whenever he gets going, is going to be, I mean, you've got all kinds of guys all over this field that, that are young, but young uh, leads to, to, to bad eye discipline, and, and you've got all kinds of issues that you, you just can't fix outside of experience. So I think Jaron Canick kind of fits into that. Um, I will say, Kip Lewis yesterday, if, if Danny Stutzman is not able to go this week, which I'll be honest with you, I think Danny Stutzman's going to have to be uh, – in in uh in county jail yeah he's gonna have to be inside a county jail or something to not be playing in bedlam i i would think um if kip lewis has to go if that guy's got a week of practice i just i feel really good i i feel really good about what you saw from him because at the end of the day i i think i think a lot of what you saw yesterday and this probably pertains to the offense more a little more than the defense it almost feels like things are overcomplicated at times. And when you see a guy like Kip Lewis go in there, he just made plays. Now, it wasn't flashy all the time. It wasn't, he didn't look like a Budkus Award winner, but he made plays. He was in the right spot. And he played football. Correct. And I, and I think, I think that things get lost sometimes in that. It seemed like guys were just so worried about what was going on with their eye discipline that they forgot how to tackle. And I know that that sounds dumb, and but I think there's so much processing going on with these players at once. And until you're these guys, we're, we're still eight games into a season where guys really understand the system. So, um, you know, for a guy like Kip Lewis to come in and look the way that he did, that, that's promising. And then Kobe McKenzie, if there ain't a guy that doesn't look like a middle linebacker, uh, no joke. For, I mean, that guy, whoo, oh I'm telling God. you, he, they're, they're going to be all right. <laughs> I think they're going to be all right in the future. So, uh, really like what you saw from those guys. And that's promising. I mean, Brent Venables knows how to recruit linebackers. That's for dang sure. And oh, you got to think, God. you got to think also Pachati, you know, who tore his ACL. And yep. so he's, you know, he's out for this week. And so, I mean, you've, yeah, you've got, Lewis Carter is another guy who is just an absolute stud too. So I mean, there's uh, there, there's some good stuff there. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. that. That's the that's the interesting thing in in thinking about the future. And Fatty, you're 100 percent right. I'm glad you pointed this out because that's the one thing I've struggled with reminding myself every single week we play. We are so young, and we've got a lot of young players playing that's building up a lot of experience. And sure, this year we had a little bit more hopium than we should have, thinking that we were going to run the table after beating Texas and go to the college football playoff. That chance is not gone because we've watched teams get knocked off late in seasons every year. Injuries happen. Attrition kicks everybody's butt in, which attrition kicked our butt in this game. 
losing uh, Stutzman like that and then losing our best runner, Ty Weave. So you lose two top players and our top corner doesn't play. So, yeah, you that happens to everybody. So I'm not – I tried to – I've been saying it. The sky is not falling. But we're young. Imagine what this looks like next season after you've got Canning for two years recognizing how to not – Use your eyes wrong and get stuck in the wrong places and go places very fast and make fast mistakes. It's funny. I was talking to our boy Ty from Around the Table Sports. Great content. Check him out here on YouTube. And we had a conversation. He's a big Alabama guy. So we were talking about the Alabama game coming next year. He was like, Jay, the big thing about that game is if Milrow continues to mature, the biggest problem to a Brent Venables defense has always been a mobile quarterback because – of how aggressive he is, if you don't get the quarterback, they've got nothing but field in front of them. I mean, we saw Bean do that on that touchdown, that 32-yarder. If you are too aggressive, have to, a per- part of the field is going to be open, and you just got to hope somebody can turn around and stop them. And I was like, well, that's the beauty of having a Jaron Canick. I mean, he runs a 10-3-200. He's a 4-4-40 guy. He's built specifically for the spy. He's built to catch any of these fast quarterbacks and just pull them down because he's fast. And he's like, yes, the only problem with Kanick is this year, he makes mistakes really fast and there's no recovery. And it's like, that's a good point. Hopefully by next year, we're past that. Hopefully next year, he's Stutzman of this year as we keep talking about that natural progression. So um, let's jump into the wide receiver room. And this is the one thing I think that's bothered me the most about the play calling with Jeff Lebian. I don't need to yell. Everybody else has already done the yelling for me. I appreciate Teddy and him <laughs> losing their mind. I appreciate Coop losing his mind. Brian, I appreciate you losing your mind. Everybody's lost their mind on Jeff Levy right now. I'm just going to say one thing about him. And then we're going to talk about these wide receivers and what we can do to get better in preparation for Oklahoma State. First and foremost, he ain't going nowhere. I would love to have somebody else run the plays, but ain't nobody else running his system because he brought his system in. We got Seth Luttrell that runs a similar one, but he's an analyst. They have to promote him. That means they have to fire Levy, then promote Seth, and then, you know, help with the buyout because he loses his buyout from North Texas. So that's probably not going to happen. We've got Levy to the rest of the season. Next year, that's a different story. So let's move on to that. What do we need to do moving forward with these great wide receivers and this quarterback who still, if he puts up some 300-yard games, could go be right back in the Heisman Trophy conversation? Brian, start with you, Coach. What do we need to do out here to get this offense back going? Because we have regressed badly. Simplify it. You're doing too much. You are doing too much. One of the things that made Jeff Lebby a a priority, I guess, whenever it comes to hiring, when it came to finding somebody to to take over after what we saw from uh, from Lincoln Riley for a while, was he was really really good at matchups. He was really good at finding one on ones. He was really good at d- exploiting those situations and and putting his playmakers in a good spot. You saw him do it all the time at, at Ole Miss, and you saw him do it towards the end of the year last year. I mean, Marvin Mims, towards the end of the year, when he started going off in, in 2022, you were finding those spots. And so um, I, I think this is one of this is a situation where 
look, it, it's never as bad as it looks. It's never as good as it looks. You hear that a lot in the coaching profession, and, and it rings yeah. true. I think a big, pro- a big problem uh, right now with, with Oklahoma fans um, trying to transition into this new era is the explosive plays aren't there. The explosive plays aren't there right now. You had seven plays against Kansas, who was one of the worst defenses in the Power Five. Still, they're better than they were last year, but they're still in the 90s, I believe, in total in total defense. Um, you had seven plays that were considered big plays. That's a rush over 10 yards or a pass over 15. They had 11 of those in this game. And oh so um, the, the explosive plays aren't there. All 33 points from Oklahoma came inside the Kansas red zone. So you're not scoring from far. And I, that, that's where, that's how many times did we hear that in the first year score from far? That's what he wants to do. He's gotten away from what he knows. And I don't know if this has something to do with him taking things personally with, with his, you know, the family stuff that happened to begin the year. I don't know if he's just lost his way with, with, with what we we've got, uh, personnel wise. He, he, you know, Andrew Anthony's gone and he just can't get over the fact that you got to find, you know, I, I think that there's plenty of playmakers out there. Drake Stoops has proven that he can fill in in that void in in the middle of the in the middle of the field that Andrew Anthony was. And you've got Brennan Thompson and Nick Anderson who are ready to stretch the field. You got Nick hey, Six, man. Yeah, Nick Six. Yeah. Stay <laughs> say when. Just say when. That that's all that he's got to let him loose. I I think yesterday uh you saw him you saw the the, the pick six and it almost felt like at that point it was we're not going to throw the ball we're just going to run the ball we're just going to, we're, that's what we're going to do and i and i as, we're we're better than they are we we can run the football that's what we're going to do and that's how we're going to win the game and it it just didn't play, it didn't pay off so simplify it you're getting too cute quit putting wide receivers in the backfield just run the damn ball with the running backs and and throw the ball to open wide receivers let Dylan Gabriel work that's that's it so it's, it's, it's funny you say that because and some people have been mad at me for saying this. I like the Jaleel Fruit backfield plays only when we're actually running the freaking ball <laughs> with actual running backs first. Like, right. don't do it as a replacement. Do it as an as an enhancement. Do it Correct. as something to confuse everybody. Take your running back, move him to the slot, bring Jaleel in place for him, or switch the entire lineup and where Jaleel stops and the running back goes over. Make them realize, oh, you're putting Jaleel back there. You're probably going to throw it to the running back or something on a wheel route. You're going you're gonna to match up a running back with a linebacker to co- co- confuse things. Don't do it as a replacement. Do it as an enhancement. Yep. It eats me up. It was right. It, the play's fun when you have, when you're, like I said, using running back. And like you said, you don't use, like I said, don't use it as a replacement as an enhancement. Coop, talk to me. I mean, I just my number one thing is the accountability piece because you know if Levy does have some issues with everything, um, you know from the um, uh, you know Art Briles coming on the field, then 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 you're not ready for this type of a program. I mean, this has been your job now. Um, you know there were there were always odd you know there were always odd things that were happening last year but last year was just an odd year so like this year we have again when i said this is a good team this is a really good team but when you 
combo up turnovers, poor play calling. I mean, damn near sabotage kind of felt like at times. Like, like seriously, like what is what is going on? And you know, again, it, when you knew that Kansas was going to go for it on fourth down, and they'd have like a, a, a third and seven, they would hand the ball off and run, and try to cut that down so they would go for a fourth and three, and. You know, Levy just watching them do it on the other side, and he's like, "Well, I'm smarter than them, so I'm gonna, I'm I, I, let's let's do a quarterback draw, or hey, let's uh, you know do some weird jet sweep, you know." And we there was just so many times where I was like, "Does he see what's happening?" And does he? I mean, when he when you're looking at a play, and he's like, uh, "He's never seen this outcome before." It's because we're just running random crap instead of just getting to your offense. And I think that, you know, DeMarco really does need to, I mean, I, like when I say that there's a coming to Jesus meeting that needs to happen, I, I think that has to be with all of them because, um, you know, what makes you and your significant other, like, do things really, really well and, you know, manage life together is you've seen what, you know, if you see something from her, you know she's going to be a certain way. Um, it, you know, that's the same thing with this, is the running backs are having massive issues because of the offensive line, and then, like, the offensive line also doesn't know what's happening because the running backs change every week. Um, and if Levy is the, you know, is the architect of this offense, you know, so let, I do want to point out Quentin's super chat because Quentin's super chat. I do. It was kind of I funny. Do. Kind of funny. I saw it. One dollar. It's one ninety nine because Quinn's infamous for throwing two dollars at people. Man, it cracks me up because he does that at everybody's show. Just a more of a troll. He's a Texas fan. Should have practiced instead of making t shirts. Guess what, Quinn? We did. We practiced. We we practiced, but it's all right. Don't worry about it. We beat Texas. That's all that matters right at this point for you, buddy. And the Kansas that y'all lost to had a combined two wins, <laughs> both games. Like, again, <laughs> Listen, but I get if, you, man. If, Good. That's funny. That's funny. I, I I appreciate the troll. If you're not going to commit, you know, uh, present a Texas team that's worthy, you know, to contribute to anything nationally or even in the Big Twelve, um, you got to go with humor and trolling because uh, it's one of those it. two things, right? I mean, we 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 beat Texas' best team in what 15 years, and they beat yeah. our worst team last year in 20 years. So. It just tells you the perspective you got to have. You got to have the context there, right? But here's my thing. Dylan Gabriel is the top quarterback in the Big 12 still, even after this atrocious game. He leads the conference in passing yards, leads the conference in yards per attempt, leads in touchdowns, and I think he has the second lowest in interceptions. I think he's number two in interceptions. No, actually, he's number seven. He's behind a lot of backup quarterbacks, but whatever. Um, highest rated, most uh, and most yards per game. Dylan Gabriel leads everything in the Big 12, and he's top 15 in the nation right now. Why aren't we just letting this dude go? Like, I know people want to complain and say, think that Dylan Gabriel ain't it. And I had somebody jump in my comments, and I love him to death. Good, good, good YouTube uh, viewer. And he was like, I want to see Jackson Arnold now. Wait, you want to see Jeff Levy run the jackhammer with Jackson Arnold as a starting quarterback instead? Like, I don't think y'all understand what we're dealing with here. And this has been my issue with the Lebs. He ain't going to do no different with Jackson Arnold. It's probably going to be worse. 
it's going to probably be worse. Because in his offense, his offense is all about ratios. And the other thing with that is, is that a lot of times he's telling you where to throw the ball. Jackson is still young and learning the offense. He's going to follow what Levy tells him or he's going to run it. And y'all going to have issues with him being the jackhammer after a while. You're like, well, why don't he throw the ball? I don't know, because Jackson Arnold didn't see the open guy yet. It's a lot of anticipation. And that's what we've got to get Dylan Gabriel to be better at. But he still leads the conference in numbers. He's still doing that. Even better, he ran for three touchdowns. He said, we're going to figure out. We're going to get in this end zone. Our run game sucks. I'm going to figure it out. Our RPO has been awful this game. I'm going to figure it out. And he did. So I just want Levy to let the man throw the ball. I need him to throw the ball 30 times a game moving forward. Period. 71% completion percentage. Why not? Oh, yeah. Can we get rid of Jet Sweep? Let's talk about that. That's where this wide receiver <laughs> conversation going to go. What in the heck is up with these Jets? Brian, talk to me. Coach Clinton, can you evaluate this and tell me why we running the Jet Sweep? Like, what is the value of the Jet Sweep in a situation when you can't run the ball? Well, uh, if you do it right, <laughs> if you are successful, uh, you're attacking the edges. You're attacking the edges of the defense. Uh, it kind of helps. It, it's supposed to be able to help you run the ball in line. It's supposed to. Add, I mean, obviously, if you can, if you have speed, which I, there can, there's an argument whether or not the guy. That, I, I don't want to get into all that. Um, fair, fair, okay, fair. So, anyways, it, it's supposed to help you. You can attack the perimeter, but obviously, it helps spread things out on the inside, and then you're able to run the ball a little bit better in the box. That's what it's supposed to do. Problem is, you're not challenging anybody deep against Kansas, so. They're playing zero. They got all the guys in the world out there to help stop a Jets. It's it's all the things that the the issues that you saw yesterday were just. It's a conglomeration of. It's like he had this play script over here, and he was like, "I'm running these plays, and I'm going to throw all these different things at you and, and see what sticks and what doesn't." It wasn't. It didn't feel like there was any sort of in-game adjustment from from Jeff Levy. It felt like this is. We're doing this. This is what we're gonna do, and I, you know, win be damned. And so the uh, the jet sweeps are supposed to help uh, with the outside, but but when you don't uh, supplement that with other things, it just doesn't work. Right, and and Jimmy, that's where I disagree with you here. Jet re- sweep isn't trash. It is though, as Apache mentioned, if you're playing against pest press coverage, the corner's yeah. right there. Yeah, and so then you have to rely on your wide receivers. In which I'm still running the campaign here. We're campaigning that Emmett Jones needs to be get a raise because of the great things he's done with these wide receivers, and I will toot that horn nonstop. But it appears that there's a conspiracy against my campaign for Emmett Jones getting a raise by making the wide receivers not be able to do anything. Because And then that's my point, and that's the reason why I wanted to ask you that, Brian, is because, yes, the jet sweep works to open things up, but you've got to blow the top off to make the defense go back. I need the linebackers to move back to protect the middle. I need the safeties to have one one or at least two deep. Hell, make them go three deep because we're that fast. Because to me, it should be hike, one, two, three, lob it deep. I know Kobe Bryant's a really good defender, but we have exposed him on pass interferences before. We can expose him on pass interferences again. He's very handsy. And with a guy as big as Nick Anderson, a guy as big as... um. Uh, as Jane Gibson, Gibson yeah. Jane Gibson, throw in there Jaleel Farouk. You, as big as these dudes are, they give him hell. 
why not take advantage of that? That's just what ate me up. Cool. What do you think about these wide receivers? What, what can we do to open them back up? I need Emmett Jones to get his raise, so I need this campaign to keep working. Well, I mean, it's you got you got to <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's a few plays. I'm not going to lie that I think Dylan Gabriel dropped back to throw maybe two to three of these plays to where he had to scramble out because he missed somebody. He missed, you know, there were there were two or three. So he adds those in there. Maybe we're still in the same boat. But it was it was like, yeah, it was you come out, you throw the pick six. Dylan has, you know, kudos to Kansas. Did Dylan stare him down? The entire way, and did half the people watching the broadcast know where the football was going? Yes, we all did. And there you go. I mean, but at the same time, he's he's the damn, like, some people are saying, like, he's the most likely to win the Heisman. May not the betting betting favorite or anything, but he's in the Heisman conversation. It Still sure is. isn't hell isn't because he's running. It sure, yeah, it's but it's not because he's running the triple option. It's because he's throwing the football. And he also can run the football. And so if you take away, it reminds me of, remember when Russell Westbrook got just absolutely just bombed for, you know, shooting, shooting, shooting the three too much, right? People were all over him. Well, Russell went 100% like I'm taking my ball and going home and didn't shoot at all the next game. Zero shots. And then it was the, he did the same thing with the rebounding that Stephen Adams was letting him have rebounding. It's almost like that's what Jeff Levy has done in you know with the whole like offense thing is you know he's ran it it gets smu it's not working but he just keeps on running 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 right into the hole and then it's like with this one he's like no i'm not gonna let dylan pass it because why exactly i don't have an answer for that because obviously the guy has gone and taken but levy is taking a massive brunt of everything there are so many reasons why we lost that game levy's whatever is going on his midlife crisis from last week and this week are the same thing they just we can't overcome that and overcome turnovers and overcome bad penalties and overcome other coaching issues we're not that good do we think that OU is a potential playoff um, person team good god um do we think they're a potential playoff contender because the team's really good or the overall, you know, arena of college football is just, eh, it's still, meh. So now we're just a little bit closer to, meh. And I don't think that there's a dominant team. I think that if you go back in Ohio State from last year, and you know, with C.J. Stroud and Georgia from last year, would I think that we have a shot? I would be like, I'm good. Let's play in a New Year's Six game. Like, I don't want yeah, to, nah. you know, you get with that. But there's just nothing. So can OU get back on it? Yes. But, again, coming to Jesus meetings need to happen. Absolutely need to happen. And, and some people need to say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't care what's going on. We need to run the football. We need to keep it going. We need to keep it. And then when we are th- – but we also have to throw. We have to have something close to 50-50. You cannot – Yeah. You cannot do 75-25 when you're Heisman quarterback and, and just take the ball out of his hands because Jason Bean is not a better player than Dylan Gabriel, and he threw it 30, 32 times. You know what's funny you say that? Is that he threw it 32 times, and he only he completed, what, 15 of them, and he, only, he had 218 yards. We completed 
14 out of 19 and got 171. Dylan Gabriel outperformed him with less throws. Yeah. We should have thrown more. Brian, go ahead. Um, I think the answer to what opens up the wide receivers is you need somebody like Austin Stogner to get involved in the middle. Oh, yeah. Did he get hurt, too, for a little bit? <laughs> he was, yeah, but it was kind of like one of the, he was out and then he was back in. Right, it's just like three like plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he... Uh, he he's all right, but I I think the problem is you kind of you kind of saw last year, um, Braden Willis become involved very heavily, uh, and was always a guy. He always ended up being open if they were pressing, if they were doubling Marvin Mims or, or whoever it was. It, that was your point. that was your outlet, and so I think the problem is, and look, Stog, I I think Stogner is 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 capable of being a target over the middle. I mean, he's a huge frame. He's got a great catch radius. He's more, I think he's more athletic than some people do give him credit for, and he's become a better blocker. The problem is you've got to be balanced. And there just hasn't been a game in the, you know, since, since the Texas game, there hasn't been balanced. The Texas game, I would I know that they didn't put the most points up, of the season against Texas, but I would say the offensive game plan and execution against Texas was probably the best overall game we have seen from this team offensively. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the offensive agree. line played well, but you also saw Stogner have a handful of big catches on third down to help convert uh, first. He did. And so he did. you you have to have a fully rounded. This isn't this isn't two thousand five anymore. Offense is different <laughs> than it used to be. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that Levy's scheme is outdated. It's not. What I'm saying is, is you have to have moving and working parts all over the place. And le- I mean, unless you've got Ollie Gordon in the backfield, then, you know, that, that kind of, that changes things if you've got Ollie Gordon back there running for 300 a game. But if you don't have that kind of guy, um, you, you've got to be able to spread the ball around and, and use the scheme for what it is. And you just, you don't have that at tight end right now. And, Outside of Tawi Walker yesterday, we really haven't had a running back that's that's really emerged. So uh, you need help in other places for the wide receivers to get back going. Yeah, and that's and and to that point, I'm looking at this line, this this tight end room, and I'm trying to understand like what what are we doing here? Like we got Blake Smith who had flashes at moments, but I don't think he's the best blocker. No. Um, and then you've got Josh Fanuel, who's the athlete. And we haven't really seen him just been tossed out there, and I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. I mean, how how does the – I mean, I know everybody else is hurt. Kay McIntyre is starting to get a little bit of game. Mm-hmm. He's, but he's, a, he's a true freshman, and everybody knows my thoughts on true freshmen. I'm not fond of them playing because it has a tendency of going bad, more bad than good, and it's more so because of ex- lack of experience things happen. Mm-hmm. Especially in roles that aren't just roles where you just go. Like defensive lineman, I could do a freshman on defensive lineman because oh, his job is just go eat somebody up. That's it. There's not much thinking there. It's beat a dude up, beat a dude on a play, and go get the quarterback. Can make that happen. Linebackers, too much thinking. Safety, too much thinking. Corner, not as much. So tight ends, are we going to see more Blake? Are we going to start seeing some more Fanuel? Or are we just going to have to just punt until next season? I'll be honest with you. I think as long as Stogner's healthy, that's who you're going to see. So, it, yeah. Just, just honest. I mean, honest opinion. It, he, he has brilliant, and you have to give him credit because at the beginning of the year, I, I will say, he was underwhelming as a blocker. You really couldn't trust him on an inline block assignment. Um, you, you didn't know what you were going to get. But I would say that 
the insert stuff that they've been running as of as of late, he's he's been more than than capable. He's looked good doing it. Um, Blake Smith's kind of come, he's coming along. Um, and, and Fanuel is is a really good athlete, but I think his I think his issue is is just simply uh, he he just needs more snaps. He needs Makes he needs sense. more practice, um, and he'll be just fine when he gets his opportunity. But I think they're just they're not going to throw him out there right now because I, I just don't think he's ready for that. Um, the good news is, is you've got Devon Mitchell coming up, um, <sighs> next year. And, and I think that that's a guy day one, you can put out there as a, a, you know, a split out Y and have him run some, some routes and he's going to absolutely create problems from the get. So, um, it's going to be Stogger from here on out, but he's shown in the past that that's a guy that can go out and make, make, uh, make big plays and, and, uh, become a possession receiver for you. And he's going to have to be. Three plays, three first 85 plays were thrown 10 plus yards past the line of scrimmage. Yeah. God, dog, that's just not good. That, that's I, think not they, good. I think they were all in the fourth quarter, too. Yeah, that's the bad part. <laughs> it was all in the fourth quarter. All right, here's a stat for y'all. I saw Jesse put this up, and I have to come back and reference him because this is a good conversation piece, and we'll make this the, the final part to wrap it up so y'all can get back to your families and uh, all of that. Three and zero. We finished with three tackles for loss and zero sacks. When I saw that stat, I was staggered. I was like, are you kidding me? That is the Brent Venables statistic. That is his thing. You get tackles for loss early. You lead them into longer third downs. They don't convert. And we even stopped them with those 414 on third down. We did a good job of forcing punts. Mm -hmm. But we didn't do anything you had two by key lawrence which that was probably the highlight of his game because in other parts in coverage it didn't look it looked questionable and then you had mccullough they got the other one talk to me guys i, I don't even care who goes first on this one why do you think we couldn't get those tackles for loss this game what changed to throw us off on the tackles for loss game was kansas that prepared oh man um <laughs> I, I wonder if this is the first game in the Brent Venables era that that the other the opposing opposing team had more tackles for loss because they had four and yeah. uh, Oklahoma only had three. It has to, it has to be you know at least one of if not the first games. I uh, I'll say I I think a lot of it had to do with th this team probably heard so much in practice this week about eye discipline that I don't I just think some of the aggressiveness didn't seem to be there. It almost seemed like they were catching yeah. blocks uh, when the defensive line. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the first game this year when I when I really could say that the defensive line didn't have really an impact on the game. Uh, I don't remember anybody making you know a standout play outside of Ethan Downs uh, with the interception, and you know I, I, I like that kid, but as as outside of that play, he struggled yesterday. Um, so I think I, I think you saw them lose some aggressiveness. Uh, and uh, that that probably had a big factor on it. When we're done with this, I have a stat to throw at you. It just oh, uh oh, here comes I'll a stat. Add, I'll add one in. Cool. I'll 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 add in. Um, there were a lot of missed tackles. We weren't we weren't making the tackle. Um, a lot of our missed tackles came behind the line of scrimmage, and I remember at least two of um Canick's missed tackles, um, where he had a guy dead rights. Um. I mean that that doesn't that doesn't help you, right? I, I think also Gentry not being out there is a big piece because, um, you know, it's tough. I mean, Gentry is the starter. 
you know, you're missing Josiah Wagner. Uh, you can't have Kendall Dolby out there because he's playing Cheetah. And then he's you really have, uh, yeah, and he's doing he's doing a great job. So Kenai Walker hasn't played much this year. He's been injured. And now all of a sudden he's the starter. Now I'm, 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 I'd rather have him over there than uh, Key Lawrence. But, you know, yep. this is where I'm thinking Peyton Bowen really makes a big difference in this team. So, um, but uh, as far as that goes, you missed the tackles in the backfield. I mean, I, th I think that it's three to five missed tackles. So, you know, on the high side of five, now we have eight and it's just like, Oh, that, that's, I mean, we didn't reach 15 this week game, you know, and then it's maybe good. So I think that we were on par, which had to make the plays. And so now, but I'm also starting to wonder if the offense is going to wear our defense down and we're going to have another situation like we had last year where our defenders are absolutely just gassed because our offense can't get out of its own damn way. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And and Josiah, I was I'm pretty excited about him. I know he got some run. He got what six snaps, three on run defense, basically three on coverage. And so it looks like he's the one that everyone's been saying is the most promising at corner. He's the freshman they thought was going to take the job from from Gentry Williams, and then Gentry walks out there as a lockdown corner, and he's making it really hard for anybody to take his job long term. But we won't probably have Woody. I kind of hope we have Woody next year, but we might not have Woody next year. And if we don't. It's probably Josiah's job right there on the mark. He's probably going to walk in and take that position. And so uh, I like Key at the safety spot. I like him rotating with Bowen because he's done a really good job in the spurts that we needed him to. And when Kanai has played and not not been really – I wonder how healthy is Kanai if, that, if that's really the, the way he played in this game. It just did not feel like he was as healthy as uh, he was when he was coming in as a secondary role behind – Woody and uh, Gentry. When he got hurt, made me a little nervous. I think it was what against UCF, right? Is when he got got hurt. Was that like last week or um, yeah, before, I think, actually yeah. before Texas? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. What game that was? Right before Texas, uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati yeah. was it? Yeah. That, is, that is it. So Kanai gets hurt. Cincinnati. He doesn't play Texas. He gets the bye week to rest. He plays a little bit against UCF, and then boom. You run into um, you run into the Kansas game, and he's thrown into the start. So I'm wondering just how healthy he really was going into that. But he wasn't terrible. It was just, and I mean, he actually had a pretty solid tackle grade. It's yeah, Gentry puts Gentry can be placed on the island. That's the beauty of way him and Woody is play, to the point of last week we saw UCF challenging Woody because they didn't want to go to Gentry. And when mm -hmm. the season started, everybody was challenging Gentry because they didn't want to go to Woody's side. I love that we have that. Now we've got to get better. So, Brian, you said you got a stat for us. I, 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 I want to hear this. I do. Um, the stat, the number is 33 of 34. Oh, Jesus. That is the amount of times, that, that, that's the number of times that Kansas offense or Kansas's opponents have scored when they reach the red zone this year. 33 of 34. The one was Oklahoma in the first quarter. Uh, they they turn over on downs at the 20-yard line. Uh, and so in a one-score game with a lot of other problems, uh, that, <laughs> that becomes the one that sticks out. So 33 of 34, uh, Oklahoma is the one time this year that they, they did not score uh, on Kansas going into the red zone. 97% of the time. Uh, team score on them. Correct. And so Oklahoma, 
it just it's a synopsis. It just it just it just wasn't Oklahoma's day yesterday, and that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> and you're right. It's all right. So uh, we'll wrap this up. Put a bow on it. AP poll drop. Coaches poll drop. ESPN's FPI. I've seen some other polls from folks, and I'm gonna be absolutely honest. We got ten on the AP. 11 on the coaches and ESPN's computers, the FPI still likes us as the eighth team in the country. Basically saying that everybody after us, we would be favored against on a neutral site. Coop, how do you feel about us getting that 10th spot in the AP poll? Because I, and I asked this question from both of you because cost of playoff polls come out next week. So we get the real poll on Tuesday, Halloween. How do you feel about us being at number 10 in preparation for the actual first basketball playoff poll? I fully don't care. Um, just to be honest with you, um, there's too much stuff to be, there's too much thing, too many things to fix. You go out and you fix some stuff this week and on to Stillwater. Like, I know that that is a, that is a coach speak. And maybe for the first time ever, I fully 100% understand. They don't want to talk about the damn poll. They don't want to have any. The, the, <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff to do. So it would be like somebody calling in and saying, hey, Eric, I've really started want to talk about, you know, maybe running a commercial during, uh, you know, the fair next year. I, listen, that's bless your heart. That's great. I ain't got time for it right now. I got to go sell some bedlam. And right. that's, and that's, so that's what the coaches feel like is, you know what? No, no, no. The poll, that don't mean shit because we got to go out and get better. We got to go get better against Oklahoma state at the end of the season. We're going to look up after the big 12 championship game and go look up and go, where are we going? But every other game on the schedule happens one, two, three, four, five, if they continue to go crazy and they and something happens, something clicks, and this team regulates themselves like I hope they can, I fully, fully, fully say there's still a chance that we can do some damage in the playoff. Based right. off of the increasing. If this team does more of last week and this week, then Alamo Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. And and Dominic makes a very good point here. By the way, nobody beats the Denver Broncos <laughs> 17 times in a row because the Chiefs just lost to the Broncos in a game that you would have not thought the Chiefs were going to lose. So Kansas City, the we lose to, to the to the Jayhawks for the first time in, you know, 30 years. And then the Broncos don't lose their 17th time to the Chiefs. So seems like there's something there. Brian, talk but to Jay, me. Uh, <laughs> before Brian goes, I have to say this. We lost to Kansas, who is a good team. Kansas City just lost to Denver, who is dog crap. Kind of like when Texas lost to Kansas. Kansas was dog crap, not a good team. Fair point. But Fair point. Just want to throw that out there. Um. 10, I'm not really worried about the 10. Um, I, I like where Oklahoma's at. I, I don't think it, like Coop said, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. What does matter, Kansas jumped into the top 25 at 22. Texas is still number seven. Kansas State is at 25, I believe. Yep. And look, there's going to be some discrepancies in the, in the poll when it comes out on Tuesday, but the fact of the matter is, 
as bad as the Big 12 looked through three weeks, it's been flipped on its head. It really, it really has. the The conference actually looks like it's it's kind of become pretty strong here, um, you know, with with a few teams. And so uh, it's important to note, Oklahoma still controls its destiny, but yep. you need Kansas to keep on winning, and uh, you you want Texas to keep on winning. Uh, actually, you want Texas to drop this week's game against Kansas State. If you're me, but uh, you may have an you may have a ranked Oklahoma State as well. As bad as that loss looked against. Uh, South Alabama to begin the year when you've got a guy that's that's gone for damn near a thousand yards in the last five games and yes. and has looked the way that Ollie Gordon has Oklahoma State's got yeah. a chance to be in there too so uh, really really good pull for for Oklahoma just got to keep winning though got to figure out a way to get back on the winning side and so my thoughts I put a video out earlier and it did horrible numbers because it appears that everybody is pissed off about this game. They don't want to hear any type of silver linings and I understand that. I totally get that no one cares about silver linings, but I'm going to give y'all silver linings cuz gosh darn it, that is what I do. I am about positivity, folks. And the fact that we actually landed only at 10 and then 11 in the coaches poll and FPIC says 8, that's the stuff that helps influence what they're going to do for the college football playoff committee. Now, these people do claim they watch the games. They claim that they pay, keep a pulse on the game. They lie. They don't be paying attention to it like that. I, I've seen some of the decisions they made. They've picked teams to be ahead of other teams, even with additional losses, and them losing to said team. We know that it's a lot of biases in this, but the thing is, they do leverage the heck out of the AP poll and the coaches poll to kind of help them put together what they feel like would be the best matchups. By us being there, we may actually be in the top eight. I think that we will probably jump Penn State as well as Ole Miss because we beat a team that's in the top five, top six, top seven. We beat – and that beat top-ranked Alabama at the time, one of the top-ranked teams. So we've, we're going to get a lot of help, I feel like, and that's why I see the silver lining with this. We lost. Yes, it happens. And Coach, I mentioned this. He's a Georgia fan. Appreciate him always pulling up and showing love. But he pointed out, it's one loss. So understand, it's only one loss. And we do control our destiny. We can't possibly do it. But I think that the polls will be able to. Uh, the polls are going to look a lot better when we have, um, when uh, everything goes down with the college football playoffs on Tuesday. So, all right, final thoughts. Brian, I'll pass to you first. Let the people know where to find you as well as give us a final thought about this past weekend's game. Uh, you can find us over at OUinsider.com, uh, over on YouTube as well, and, and uh, over at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, cover the Big 12 over there, and then obviously the Sooners at OU Insider. Um, final thought on the game, it's gut check time. This week is about looking in the mirror, and that's not just this is not just the players. This is 100% the coaches. There are some things that need to change. There are some things that, uh, quite frankly, need to be thrown out and uh this is a week where you got to get right um i will say this for the defense that struggled the stretch that's coming up the good news is i know you got to face ollie gordon this week but the next three weeks oklahoma state west virginia and byu all three teams that you're going to face are one-dimensional offenses so you can be a little more aggressive and that's going to fold that's folds right into what Brent Venables wants to do. Yep. You just got to be disciplined. So, get right, get healthy, and finish strong. I love it. I love it. Coop, give people final thoughts. 
Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I end it this way is, is sorry, my uh, kid's getting himself in trouble. Um, but um, it's one game. It, it's, it's, it's one game that hopefully wakes this team up. Um, right. Hopefully, you know, now after a loss, you go back. Maybe you're not supposed to overreact after a loss, but maybe this team has been underreacting to some stuff. Maybe it just makes them react appropriately. Um, you go out and you beat Oklahoma State. I believe that as, as crazy as Ollie Gordon's been going, if Danny Stutzman's healthy, if Kobe McKenzie Enough. and Kip Lewis, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. Um, because they are one, I mean, they are one dimensional. Um, we don't have the weather as an issue. Now we good against them. If our coaching staff doesn't, here's don't, I don't mind mistakes, but I am very, very impatient when it comes to people making the same ones over and over again. Fair. So let's learn. Let's learn, right? It is going to be a two thirty game. So, Hey, guess what? You don't have the 11 a game because you threw a stinker out this week. Um, but I love it because I get to go make those, make that money. And, uh, it's, it's, it's time to see, uh, it's time to see this game just go crazy. Uh, I'm, 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 this is the last, uh, last run in Bedlam. Um, they have looked better. So maybe that's good for us because we can take them seriously. Maybe now it's a challenge like, Hey, that dude is that dude. Almost, the, almost a grand in the last five games. Who are you guys? You know, we can stop the run. We stopped uh, the number three, you know, rushing offense in the country. Um, and we held them to almost half their season average. So um, let's go do it again. I like that. And it looks like wind is going to be a little bit windy. But weather-wise, we are going to be very optimal on the temps. So I'm not concerned going into it. My final thought on this, this, this weekend is just like y'all. It's one loss. It's a good swift kick in the butt. But the other thing is this. If y'all really thought we were going to national championship before the season started, you, I think you'd lie. You'd be lying to me. Because we all didn't think that. We thought 10-2, We thought we'd have a good season. Vegas said 9.5. And, and you know how many people bet the under on that? It was getting hammered. And Vegas is going to make a killing because the way that our trajectory is, we'll win at least 10 games. So, you know, I'll make money. Y'all won't for betting the under. So, Thank y'all for pulling up. Brian, as usual, thanks for pulling up. We're going to have him again soon. Uh, before, Actually, before the TCU game. We're going we're gonna to figure that out. Make sure you just notice on your schedule, we're going to bring Brian Black. Always brings in some great content. Please check him out on YouTube. Check out OU Insider, Under the Visor, everything they do over there, especially when Brian be breaking down plays. I watch that every week. That's the only reason why I'm smart when it comes to play design and everything. But outside of that, for Coop, myself, thank y'all for pulling up. We'll chop it up with y'all, I don't know, in the next couple of days. Peace.